But the tomb is empty. He is risen. Christ the Lord, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the risen one, he is risen indeed. It has been the tradition for almost 2,000 years for the minister of the gospel to say Christ is risen and for the people of God to respond with enthusiasm, he is risen indeed. So I declare it to you, Christ is risen. Good. Do you see it? Do you believe it? Do you embrace it? Christ is risen. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Luke 24. Maybe you have a device with a Bible. Um, you can do that. Luke is the last chapter of Luke. We'll have some on the screen as well. But in this story, if you were here at the very beginning of the service, you got to see this and experience this. This is a story of two people walking along, going home, and they see Jesus, except they don't see him. They actually miss him. They don't recognize the game changer that Jesus was and still is because for some reason they couldn't see it. And I think these two are much like us. We can be in a situation where we see it and yet we don't see it. Have you ever been there? Well, we're going to look at this story and see what's going on. So hear the word of God. Luke 24 verse 13. It says, now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. See, I think to really, truly experience the reality of Easter, we have to think about why these two couldn't see Jesus, because sometimes you can see it and not really see it. So we can't see Jesus because I think there's some flaws in our vision, just like there were some flaws in these people's vision. See, the first thing that I think was flawed in them is this expectation. They had a flawed expectation. Flawed expectations happen all the time. It's just, it's when something happens different than how we think it's going to happen. You know, we have this master plan, or at least many of us have this master plan for our life, and all of a sudden we wake up and go, this wasn't part of the plan. I wanted a little, I wanted it different, or maybe I wanted it better. You know, maybe uh, you graduated from college, and you said, you know, if I just get to college, I get some good grades, and I get this degree, man, life is going to be great. I'm going to be in the field, I'm going to be making a difference, and all of a sudden you do graduate, and you can't find a job in your field. Or you do find a job in your field, and all of a sudden you realize, this wasn't exactly what I planned. I thought that I was going to be doing this, and instead I'm in this kind of menial job where I think anybody could do it. See, flawed expectations. Now hear me, expectancy is a good thing. If you're a person that expects God to work in a situation, that's hope. You, that's good. But sometimes that can easily slip into, I expect God to do this in my situation. And that goes a little bit more towards entitlement. We got to be really careful because when we have these flawed expectations, I don't think we can see Jesus. Well, Jesus engages with these people. He says, what were you discussing as you walk along the road? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, Are you the only one in Jerusalem? Are you the only visitor visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there? Jesus says, What things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. See, for centuries, for centuries, there had been stories and prophecies about the people who believed in God, that there would be one day this chosen one, this Messiah who would be sent, and he would save their people. Their parents talked about it, their grandparents talked about it, their great-grandparents talked about it, their great-great-grandparents talked about it. Are you getting the idea? Everybody talked about this. And so just like everyone else, these two were hoping, and they were praying, and they were dreaming, and they were wishing that one day God would send the Messiah. And sure enough, here comes this guy named Jesus of Nazareth, who is unlike anyone they've ever seen. I mean, Jesus spoke so plainly, and yet with a ton of authority. Jesus did miracles over nature, over demons. He raised people from the dead, and he healed people. He didn't just heal people physically and heal people of disease. He healed people spiritually. And so people started to say, do you think this could be the one? I think he could be the one. I hope he's the one. We want him to be the one. And because of what they saw, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Catch that. Because of what they saw, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The problem was that three days before this, their possible Messiah had been put up on a cross and crucified. Do you see what these two were saying? Jesus was not the hero they hoped for. They had these flawed expectations. And they lost some hope in that. The story continues. They say to Jesus, what's more? It's been the third day and since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb and they saw early this morning that the stone was rolled away. They didn't find his body. Instead, they saw a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions even went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. It's the third day and some of our women amazed us. Can I just stop for a second and say, man, if we would actually see the women that amaze us and tell them they amaze us, I think we'd have a lot happier friendships and a lot healthier marriages. It's not really the point of the story, but man, some of our women amaze us. That was free. But it's been the third day. Now, the third day is super important, but it's pointing to this idea that their timing is off. And I, I, I guess you've been here. I know I've been here. We'd hope this would happen by now. Ever been in a place like that? I hope I'd made varsity by now. Or, you know, I thought I'd be out of debt by now. Thought I'd have our house paid off by now. Thought we'd have kids by now. Or I just hoped we'd have more time together before now. And when we have these flawed timelines... We can't see Jesus for the game changer he is. We'll miss him, just like these two almost missed him. There's this little phrase in this story, but we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And in that little phrase, can I just submit to you that there are so many broken dreams and so many shattered hopes in that little tiny phrase, but I had hoped. And maybe you've been in a place like that. Maybe you're in one right now. But I'd hoped that this person that I've been dating, that this person that I put all of this time and effort and investment into is the one, and it didn't work out. Or 
I'd hoped that we were going to be happily married till death do us part, and the parting came before, the death came before the parting, and so now I'm a single parent, or now I'm a widow, now I'm divorced, but I had hoped that this would last. We'd hoped to help our kids with college, but we just can't get out of debt. We'd hoped to have children by now. We'd hoped that at least one child, but we can't conceive. We'd hoped to be celebrating our wedding anniversary, going on a trip this summer. Instead, we're fighting over who gets the dog and who gets the house. But I'd hoped. If you are in a place of, but I have hoped, can I just encourage you that there is no shame in that? But when you're in a place like that, it's so easy for hope to die because of flawed perspectives, flawed timelines, and flawed expectations. I remember a really particularly painful time in my life when I couldn't see. It was when I was going to college, I'd had three or four different colleges for engineering because I was going to be an, a, a civil engineer, probably majoring in structures, building bridges, building, bi- making sure buildings stand up from the pretty designs that architects do. And so I had three or four schools picked out, but I in particular wanted to go to a school where I could run or I could swim on their varsity team. So it narrowed it down a little bit. And I chose my school based on those criteria. And I went to school. My first year was great. I met some of my best friends to this day on that first day of the first week of my first year of school. I did so well in engineering that I got in the honors program. I did so well in school that I decided to become an RA. I did so well in the swim team that I kept going the next year. And the next year, everything starts to crumble. I have freshmen coming into my dorm room, piling on the pain and their problems. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm 20 years old. And they're like, please help me. Swimming starts to go down. Engineering starts to get really hard and not make sense. And I kept praying and praying and praying for God to work in my situation, and I didn't hear anything. The next year gets worse. My best friend transfers to another school. My friendship starts to crumble. I injure my shoulder in swimming, and I have to redshirt the season. And I hate engineering. And my friend calls, and he's like, would you just come and would you work at this camp? And I'm like, I'm not working at that camp. You've asked me three times. And he said, would you pray about it? And I stopped. And it was the first time in my life that I prayed to ask God for what he wanted for me. Because every other time I just prayed for what I wanted from him. And I couldn't see it then. But friends, that was the game changer for me. I don't stand up here with confidence in myself. I stand up here in the confidence of what I know that I know about who Christ is and what he's done. And I couldn't believe in order to see. All these people wanted to see and then believe, and they couldn't see Jesus. But the game changer is right in front of them, and they can't see it. And this Easter experience that we're talking about today is the greatest news because we see how Jesus is the game changer and just why he's the game changer. He gives us, first of all, he comes to us and cares for us even when we can't see him. That's why I think he's the game changer we all need. When I couldn't see Jesus, he met me in that prayer. 
When these people couldn't see Jesus, he met them and he walked with them on the longest walk of their life. See, this isn't just a seven-mile walk to Emmaus. I think it's the longest walk of their life because the longest walk of your life is the one you take from the grave of someone you deeply care about. The longest walk of your life is the untimely death of someone that you love. And as you walk away from that grave, every hope, every dream that you had for them and for you is shattered. And you realize that life is not going to be the same. It is a long walk that Jesus walks with them in. He doesn't just walk with them. You know what he does? He engages in their disappointment and their devastation by that simple question, what things? Yes, they got a little annoyed, I'm sure, but they got to talk and they got to express it. And sometimes when we're taking the long walk, sometimes when we've lost our hope and when our hope has died, all we need to do is just express it and not be judged. And that's what he does. He cares for them in the midst of them not being able to see. And I think that he cares for each of us too. I also see Jesus being the game changer because he challenges people who can't see him. He doesn't just let them sit and wallow or sit in their destruction or sit in their devastation or their disappointment. He challenges them with this firm but gentle statement. Oh, you're so thick-hearted or thick-headed and slow-hearted. Don't you see and can't you believe what all the prophets have said over and over and over? Do you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and then enter his glory? And then he went through from the beginning with the books of Moses and walked through how every book of the Bible was pointing to him. I think it would have been great, but I love to learn. But Jesus isn't standing over them saying, come on, can't you get it? He is firmly and gently saying, will you believe? Because then you'll see. That's what some of us need to do today. We need to believe so we can see. And he starts saying, I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking what Jesus is saying as he's walking with them. And they're like, what things? He's like, oh man, it's me. Can you see? Can you believe so you can see? It's me. I said I was going to die. I said I was going to have to suffer, but it's been three days and here I am. I'm back. I came up. I rose from the, can you just see? And then he might be thinking like, don't you remember? I said there was a mission. I have to complete the mission. God gave me this mission, and when Satan whispered to me and tried to tempt me, I wouldn't back down. And when I went to the garden and I thought that it was going to be so much pain and I couldn't do it, that I prayed for God's will to be done, not my own. And he said, stay the course, and I did. And then when they beat me and they beat me and they beat me, I took it and I took it because I wasn't going to let sin win. I knew that God's loyal love, that was going to win, and so I stayed. And when they whipped me and they whipped me, I thought of Isaiah. I thought of what he said about by his stripes, they will be healed. And I thought about all the people that were going to be healed. I stayed. And when they drove the stakes into my wrists and into my feet, yes, I cried out in pain, but I also cried out because it was almost done. It was almost complete. And I knew if I could just stay, that everything would be changed. And when they hurled insults at me and I heard Satan whispering to me, just get down, just call angels. I knew with one word I could call down angels, but I didn't because I knew that if I could just finish, everything would be changed and I did. Amen? That's what I think Jesus was saying. And when the Roman authorities and the Jewish leaders said he is finished, Jesus prayed, it is finished. And it was. 
everything was finished. The law and the prophets were finished. The old covenant was finished. The work of God was finished. The payment for sin was finished. The sting of death was finished. Jesus wasn't just back from the dead. Jesus changed everything. And he wants to do so in your life and in mine. He doesn't just come to us and care for us when we can't see him. He challenges us when we can't see him. And he wants to challenge you in a loving but gently firm way. And this is what I think it means. I think it means that, that though Satan and his tricks and the spiritual warfare that we face can make a lot of noise and he can prowl around and roar that he is all bark and no bite. He's been detoothed and declawed. He just, he'll just try and scratch, but it's a batting of you. And he has been beaten by Jesus. Get that picture in your head. What it also means, though, is that the path of God is now clear. What I mean by that, clear means there's no obscurity. Nobody has to wonder what God looks like now or how, how can we find him. We can't find God because the image of God is clearest, is seen clearest in the face of Jesus. That's how he's changed the game. We never have to wonder. The resurrection of Jesus vindicated him from all the accusations and all the insults. The resurrection of Jesus verified him as the Messiah and Savior. And the resurrection of Jesus validated his kingdom, that it is above every other kingdom, every other system. And as you walk through your life and you wonder if the powers that you see in the world will last, the one that will last is the one who raised himself from the dead by the power of God. And that is the clearest thing we see. And the last thing, I think Jesus changes for us. And the reason why he's the game changer is God calls us to so much more than just seeing. See, these people needed to believe so they could see, but there was so much more than that. As they approached the village, Jesus acted like he was going to keep going, and they said, no, just stay with us, just stay. And so he did, and when he broke the bread, and he blessed the bread, and he gave the bread to them, then they got it. Then all of a sudden, I think there was all these synapses and neurons going off in their head, and they were like, wait, 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 remember when he took the 5,000, and he asked for the loaves, and he took the loaves, and he lifted them up, and he blessed them, and he broke them, and he gave them? I remember that. There was 12 left. And then when there was the five, 4,000 people, and he asked for the bread, he got some, and he took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it, and there were seven baskets. You know, he kind of, he, he did that at the Last Supper. He lifted it up. He blessed it. He he broke it. He gave it. I'm, I, this is him. This is who it is. Now I believe, so I see. And some of us need to have that idea. We need to understand that God isn't just opening our eyes. He's opening our minds and opening our soul up to who he is so that we will believe, so we can see. And when we see, we'll have to tell. Our life will have to be different. Everything has to change. So today, when you think about the resurrection and you wonder, like, how can I know that I know? I go back to that prayer that I prayed on that third year of school. God, what do you want for me? Instead of what do I want from you? And I realized that had I never gone to that camp, I would have never discovered how many different churches Jesus has, that there could actually be churches where Jesus is central, where friendships matter and you can be yourself, where, 
where the truth of God is spoken and where the spirit empowers us for living, that that kind of a place could exist. I would have never heard God's voice if I wouldn't have gone to that camp. Never heard God's voice to say, you can, you can be okay and not be an engineer. Maybe God has other types of bridges that he wants you to build and walk away from that saying, there is new life for me. Had I never gone to that camp, I would have never met people that encouraged me to go to seminary. Had I never gone to that camp, I might never have heard the voice of God so clearly saying, you're trying to find life in all the wrong places. In your major, in your friendships, in your athletics, but not in me. See, Jesus cares about us when we can't see him. And he challenges us when we can't see him. And he calls out to us for so much more when we can't see him. Will you consider what it means to call out to him today? To give you eyes to see. That's what Jesus wants to do. Because the way of God is now clear. Not just clear in Jesus, but the way of God is now clear, meaning there are no more obstacles in the way. When Jesus was crucified, the, the earth shook and the thunder roared, and the curtain of the temple that separated God from people was torn, and now everyone has access to God. Think about what that means. The religious obstacles have been completely removed. Where you come from, who you are, what color your skin is, how much education you have, how much money you have, what you've done, they've all been removed. See, in Jesus now, everything is possible. Restored relationships are possible. Resurrected dreams are possible. New life is possible. And forgiveness is possible. Jesus says that he opens their minds to understand the scriptures, that the Messiah would have to suffer and die. But it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of Jesus' name to all the nations that there is forgiveness for those, all of those who repent. You are witnesses of these things. Go to the nations, Jesus says, and say there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. So does that include you? Absolutely. Does it include me? Absolutely. There is forgiveness that's possible That means you can talk to God and and you can hear him. That you can read the scriptures and they'll make sense to you when you ask. It means that you can say, God, will you forgive me? And by the blood of Jesus, he will. Can you see him? Would you pray with me? Father God, help us to believe so that we can see Jesus, thank you for this picture and this story. Thank you that you care for us when we can't see you. That you challenge us when we can't see you. That you call us to more than just seeing God. That you don't want us to just exist. You want us to live in you and find our life in you. And I pray, God, especially for those today who can't see. I pray for those that are hurting God and they're in so much pain because it's too dark. Jesus, I pray that you would shine a light on those people. That you would wrap your arms around them. That your peace would come to them. A peace that that is almost unexplainable, but will transform who they are. 
in order that they can recognize you in their presence. That they can recognize you beyond their situation. That they can trust you. That you're good. God, I pray for those who know you. God, I pray that you would even open their eyes, that they would believe so they can see more, so they can go have conversations with their family members, so they can have conversations with their coworkers about the difference that you make in our life, that they could see the divine opportunities that are in front of them, that you've changed the whole game, that the way of God is now clear. And finally, God, I pray for those who seem far from you, or feel far from you, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would draw them towards yourself. I pray that even, even today, even in your word, even in this story, that something would be awakened in them, something would be drawing them, and that would be the spirit of you, Jesus, the spirit of God that raised you from the dead. And they would be saying, just help me to see and help me to believe. God, you're at work all the time. Forgive us when we're too afraid or too much in pain or too consumed with ourselves that we can't see. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes and you would open our hearts so that we could believe, so we could see. God, I pray that you would transform us, us all, not just to a uh, attend church type of thing, but to the radical revolution of what it means to follow you with our whole lives. That since you died for us, we can now live for you. And I pray that you would just accept our prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to see that you rose from the dead, that you died for me, that you've forgiven my sin, and you accept me as yours. Help me to live as one who loves you and is being transformed by you. Continue to change my life. You have all of me. Amen.